Welcome to Audible Brutality. Two grouchy musicians humorously complaining about the state of music today. Featuring Adam Percy and Tim Vandevan. Take it away, Adam and Tim. Oh, Adam Percy, how goes it, brother Adam? It, it goes well, thank you. <laughs> um, um, I think I'm going to train to be a dentist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Name that character. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hermie the dentist. I think, I, I think you're going to save us from the bumble. How's, how's my impersonation there? That was that was I'd say that was Man, spot okay. on. Uh, mm. You're going to be getting a call from Rankin Bass very shortly for their <laughs> next Christmas special in claymation. So, oh, dude, I loved those things when I was a kid. I and, and I remember that. I think I kind of liked them because, in a weird way, they kind of creeped me out. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, like I don't know. Maybe it's because when I saw them, I was. Really, really, really young, but I thought you were going to say you were really, really drunk when you first saw them. Yes, <laughs> well, no. five-year-old on the bottle, right? A five-year-old whiskey uh, drinker. Yes, not so. at that age, no. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And, and and I evolved into actually sort of appreciating kind of thriller horror films later on in life. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, they don't really creep me out now. But I, th- I my sort of initial recollection, and I think particularly the the abominable snowman, the Yeti, in that yes one. I think particularly kind of gave me a bit of a fright when I was a wee lad. You know, of course, he winds up actually turning out to be a really nice guy. But, yeah, I think they kind of creeped me out at first. But I still stuck by them. And I I do appreciate that they had this creepiness factor. Maybe that's just me. It's funny. A lot of those things, for me, there was a weird sort of uh, comfort. It ends up a perfect little world, right? Right. Everybody gets along at the end. Nobody's upset. There's no, you know, no fighting. Uh, any any discourse at the beginning of the episode has been resolved. Those those Rankin Bass things, they're classics, man. It's, they are. You know, Burl Ives as a snowman singing um, a silver and gold, you know, oh, that sort of I stuff. I love that too, man. Yeah. For our listener, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, this is the Christmas special. I'm going to say, we are going to say, Adam and I are going to say, all of us together are going to say thank you for Caroline Brooks to, for inspiring us to think about this because when we interviewed her a few weeks back one of our lines was Christmas music is good and she's right yes. you know I mean you can go on about how you don't want to hear Mariah Carey it's too early it's you know <laughs> it's it's still August don't play that song yet you know fine but there are some classics and I, I guarantee you you will be tapping your toes. You will be you. You will have a fondness in your mind when you hear these songs. There will be something that sets you off, and you'll be, "Oh, right, I remember that time when my parents bought me the bicycle I always wanted for Christmas." You know, right? Or you know, or in my case, it's I got a Merlin in 1980, which was the best. Yeah, I remember time. really coveting people who got a Merlin because I never got a Merlin. I got a I got a Simon. 
Oh, that was I was like the Simon too, but I still have Merlin. I still have him. He still works. That weird sort of almost phone look, but it wasn't a phone. It was kind of like something that you'd see on like a, a, a James Cannell show, like Knight Rider or something. It was like the, it was like the yeah. Knight Rider device. It was cool, man. And you could play the computer. That was what was really dope about it. It wasn't just that you had to you know press the thing and hand it to your friend. You could be. A lonely boy and, or a lonely girl and play this, you know? See, Christmas music. Okay, so you and I were talking about this the other day, the Charlie Brown Christmas album. I don't know anyone that doesn't like that record. I don't. No. I've never heard anyone during Christmas when I've put that record on say, oh, seriously, that again? Nobody complains about Vince Guaraldi and his trio doing this amazing that's amazing Christmas music with the kids overdubbed as well, singing you know, yeah. singing their songs. And it's such a brilliant, brilliant piece of music and it's timeless. And I think what I liked particularly about that soundtrack is in a lot of ways it felt very Christmas, but in a lot of ways it also sounded very progressive. Like it's a very different soundtrack than most people I think would expect from a Christmas record. Mm. It is. It's a, it's a very interesting take on the festive season. And I think... By the fact that we're still talking about, I, I don't know, when was that made? 50 years ago, easily? I'm looking at it right now. I'm holding the vinyl in my hands right now. There we go. It's um, from, I think, 65. There you 65 go. 65 so, or 66. Yeah, so easily like 50 years ago. Yeah, I would argue it's probably one of the top five Christmas albums of all time, if not one of the best. If we're going to start making lists and all, it's pretty epic. And I think it's because it's really actually very different in a lot of ways than what I think maybe we listened to before, which were essentially just, you know, like guys like Bing Crosby doing like mm -hmm. traditional Christmas songs, right? For the most part. Well, on the back of the record is a bit of an essay by Ralph Gleason, who was a well-known music critic back in the day. Right. And he was a big jazz guy. The last paragraph is kind of, kind of wild uh, that he's written here. He says, all the characters in Peanuts are artists confronted with the illogical, blind, and mechanistic world. It was natural that Vince Guaraldi's music should fit so well. I love it. I mean... <laughs> It's a brilliant record. You know, when they stopped making vinyls, of course, I bought a CD of it and stuff. Let me just look at the date on here. I think it's, yeah, 60-something, 66. Wow. But, and it, it's timelessly recorded, so it's, you know, it's not like super modern or whatever, you know. It's not, not like whatever. But when they re-released it on vinyl, I was so happy to see it. It, it could be 100 bucks. I'm buying it. I recommend people who want to have some good Christmas music at least get this one into their collections because I swear to God, you could probably just play this nonstop, you know, the whole thing over and over again. I don't think people would actually notice and they just sort of sink into a, a real Christmassy vibe. Actually. It's really nice. It's a great recording. It is. It's, it's pretty spectacular. And it's, I think it's one of the few that really has sort of stood the test of Christmas album time as it were, and probably will for decades and decades and decades to come. Like it's just such an institution in that regard. And, I love it. Yeah, I pretty much put it on every single year, too. If my wife will let, just let me have a little bit of control over the iPod. <laughs> oh, my God, she loves Christmas. And, like, for about a month straight, and, and, and I don't have a problem with this particular kind of music, but it tends to be this, like, really overly Celtic <laughs> kind of oh, romantic right. Christmas. Or, right, or thing, right. You know, like, um, I just... 
every now and again I want to throw in a dirty limerick <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of Christmas music and you know because it's all very beautiful and it's all very you know like you almost want to see that guy you know uh, Michael Flatley like dancing by with a headband on half the time like you know and here did you did you did you did you and nothing else just the headband and yes. just the headband just, <laughs> just the headband nothing else picture this it's dear a, listener it's a, it's a dirty <laughs> dirty celtic christmas yeah <laughs> it's a dirty limerick christmas yar uh, <laughs> well i could yeah i could see that there's a lot of that as well i mean the vince garaldi stuff being american jazz is a very american take on some christmas classics you know uh, odanenbaum yeah. is on there yeah and it's fascinating so there's the celtic stuff that you're speaking of as well which disco-y kind of Christmas as well that, that a lot of people really, really dig, you know? Yeah. And that, that goes on and that's revved up at parties. I've got something straight out of Germany that, well, then West Germany, that my family, even though we're not German, we used to listen to as kids religiously. Right. Okay. Religiously at Christmas time. Well, he was a big adult contemporary artist back in the day. James okay. Last. Album after album after album. It was like, you know, James Lost, Dance a Go-Go, this, that, the other. James Lost plays Hits of Love, that kind of stuff. It was him and his orchestra, essentially. All right. And they would rearrange modern songs into non-vocal versions, even though they would have like a choral there, but there would be no words. The album that I have, which is amazing, Christmas Dancing with James Lost. <laughs> 1966, and... Baby, this is the swingingest Christmas you're ever going to have if you listen to this. It is recorded really well. You almost would think that it was a a parody for an Austin Powers movie. Because (laughs) it's uh, that sort of swinging, you know, everything is just swinging. It's an Austin Powers Christmas, baby. Yeah. Well, there are medleys of various songs, of German songs, of American songs, and... There are no lyrics on this. So it's not, oh, well, I'm not going to listen to a guy singing German. That's not my thing. This is completely universal. I've always loved this record, and I know my sister Leslie loves this record too. And my, right. I think my sister Jackie as well, and my mom always played it. And it was my dad's side of the family, the Dutch side, that, that kept playing this. Right. And it was his mother that would play it. And I just remember hearing, you know, as soon as I would hear the intro on the side one, I knew that I was in for a, a tr- little trip with James last. <laughs> and there are a few parts of the record that actually make me hearken back to being, you know, 10, 12 years old. And it's... Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, you know, sitting down with the family and we're going to break bread and we're going to have supper together, you know, the the five of us or whatever. And it's kind of nice. It it makes me think of these kinds of things. And I think that good Christmas music is supposed to make you, you know, make you remember where you were when you first heard it, like any good song, like any good music. But at the same time, it's supposed to transport you back. It takes you back to, well, you know, the world was a, a smaller place for me when all I worried about was, am I going to get Merlin this year? You know, it makes me a little romantic and go back to that sort of like just a nice warm feeling, you know, for the rest of the year, you have to rely on rum to give you that. (laughs) Rum and eggnog, baby. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Just get plastered by like 8 a.m. in your pajamas, watching the kids just pull presents apart. It's like, oh, how the times have changed. But the James Lost stuff, 
I defy you to not have a good time listening to that. It's incredible. I have not listened to it. I, I think this, Tim, will be your gift to me is James Last. I'm going to check it out. If, again, I can wrangle control of the Carol iPod away from my wife, I'm <laughs> going to put it on, man. It's her thing. I'm good with it. It's fine. You know, we kind of touched on this idea of uh, wanting to go back to the Christmas in the 1600s kind of thing. You know, like, what was it like? <laughs> what kind of carols did people sing in the, you know, in the Victorian era or, you know, the the common people of the Victorian era doing the, you know, again, the Irish limerick thing, you know? Oh, baby Jesus, baby, baby Jesus. Oh, baby Jesus in the manger now. I, I don't know. That's my best Colin Farrell impersonation, and I don't think it worked. <laughs> but uh, And that's probably the worst Christmas carol to ever come around, ever. Quite possibly. Uh, copyright quite possibly. Adam Percy, right there. Uh, there you <laughs> go. There you go. Yeah, copyright Adam Percy. But, don't um, be stealing my Christmas cheer. Yes. And I think you even touched on things like, you know, like Mariah Carey. There tends to be this almost sort of over-romanticizing sometimes, a lot of kitsch. Do you think people expect a lot of kitsch in their Christmas carols? Is that a thing? I think there might be a bit of that. I mean, it's it's like a Christmas sweater. Yeah. You're not going to wear that Christmas sweater in February. The reindeer face on it and the actual like knitted antlers that are hanging out off of the sweater. And there's bells on the arms and you jingle and there's a button you press and the reindeer's eyes light up. You're not going to wear that. No. In February. But I think that there is a modicum of kitsch that is allowable and almost demanded at Christmas time that I can't eat candy canes all year long. You know, no. and they're basically just mint is all they are. If I eat a scotch mint in summer, it's like mm, minty. If I eat a candy can, I'm like, what's wrong with me, man? Like, it's not Christmas. <laughs> this is wrong. They're red and white and they've got to stay in the box until it's the, until it's the first of December, you know? So, right. Yeah. I think kitsch is important. You know, it would be good to bring Carolyn Brooks back on to talk about this at some point, but... Is it more almost exciting to kind of do what I just did with Colin Farrell and invent your own Christmas songs? <laughs> or, um, From what I understand that Carolyn was saying, it's actually really difficult to write mm -hmm. a good Christmas song. It is almost like making a Christmas pudding. It seems so simple, and you light it on fire, and everyone goes, yay! But <laughs> there's actually a lot of ingredients that go into that pudding, and I, mm -hmm. you know... Do you think it's the same when it comes to like things like Christmas songs or at least Christmas songs that stand the test of time? I think you're right. I mean, I know that the Good Lovelies have done a couple of Christmas albums and they are stellar recordings and stellar records. Like you said, it's difficult to write a new Christmas thing because the best ones are almost a bit simple. Yeah. deceptively simple, deceptively simple. Like you said, like the pudding. How hard can it be? It's just a bunch of mush in a bowl that tastes good. How hard can that be, right? Yeah. So the same thing with a Christmas song. It's like, well, you know, Good King Wenceslas. That was a song I learned before I started taking grade one on piano. Yeah, it's a simple song, and it's based on a simple rhyme, probably from when people didn't have instruments at home, you know? But at the same time, it's... an it's incredibly difficult to come sure. up with something that simple and that everlasting, I think. You know, I'm all, I'm thinking, too, like, before Christmas comes, there almost has to be heartbreak or a, some sort of reckoning. Like, because that's what Christmas like the is. Kind of like, like the, the Grinch. Grinch. 
Sure. Or, you know, uh, even, you know, stuff like, you know, Dickens' Christmas Carol, you know, the, the mm-hmm. reckoning of the, the miserly old manor. This song still kind of brings tears to my eyes is Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. It's so good. And they're swearing in the second verse and like they're basically calling his wife a slut. Definitely not fodder for if you have children, you know, in, early in the morning. But I love that song because it's just... It, it hits a point by the time you hit that second verse it's almost an anti-carol it starts out with a miserable man in a drunk tank and he's thinking back to his life you know and things were great but then he got super drunk and his wife got super drunk and they're yelling at each other and they hate each other but then there's that really amazing like third verse and Kirsty mccall is oh her vocals just I'm almost crying thinking about it, that one line. She's unreal. Yeah. She's so good in that. And and Shane McGowan is not known for his singing abilities, and yet somehow everything about that, that song is just so beautiful. Like, it, it breaks me inside sometimes, and I well, almost need that. It's weird. Like, it, it's not, that's, you know. That's not weird. That's not weird, man. That song has finishes with a bit of a happy ending. Not in a... You know, everybody's better. No, they're still probably in the same drunk tank, pissed off at each other, but yeah. they're singing and celebrating at the end of it. You it's know? the Christmas um, of the other. It's the other people who yeah. who maybe aren't the lucky ones with the tree and the presents and the eggnog and the it's the sad yeah. bastard in a drunk tank in New York and thinking of, you know, what his wife told him, you know, like you took my dreams from me. I kept them mm-hmm. with me, babe. I kept them with my own. Can't make it all alone. I, I, I yeah. built my dreams around you. It's like, ah, oh, it's a, it's a love song and a Christmas song. Like, oh, the genius of it. It's so good. I, I'm, <laughs> I have something in my eye. Oh my God! Moment. Somebody's cutting onions over there in BC. <laughs> uh, but you know that actually leads me to something else by the Pretenders. Which I they have a beautiful Christmas song of the same era. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of it's called 2000 Miles. And it was on their album Learning to Crawl, yeah. which, genius album. Please, for the love of God, go get it. It's heartbreak. He's gone 2000 miles. It's yeah. very far. The snow is falling down. It gets colder day by day. I miss you. In those frozen and silent nights, sometimes in a dream you appear outside under the purple sky, diamonds in the snow sparkle, our hearts were singing. It felt like Christmas time. How how beautiful. Yeah. You know, and again, like you said, Adam, you alluded to this earlier. Well, you didn't allude to it, you said it. There's heartbreak. It's triumphant sorrow. I've heard actually, and that's I'm stealing that from Rich Turfry, by the way, of CBC Music. You're sad if you if you listen to the lyrics and pay attention to the lyrics, they're going to break your heart at some point in the song. But there's it's triumphant at the end somehow. Yeah, somehow. somehow. Two thousand miles is still triumphant. I can hear people singing. It must be Christmas time. Yeah, it's there's still like there. I don't know what the song is entirely about. I'm not Chrissy Hind. I didn't ask her. You know. Yeah. But for me, it's like if there's pain and sorrow at the beginning, like you spoke of in fairy tale of new york and at the end it's not that everything is better it's no. there's hope there's hope and that's the, that's the thing too is both those songs kind of leave on a note it's not 
everything's resolved and everything's good and then all of a sudden oh boom a house comes up and they're surrounded by christmas lights you know like <laughs> yeah. no they're they're probably still in the drunk tank right but they're they're yeah, they're, yeah. they're sort of taking that you know this idea of christmas spirit of like resolution with with that horrible family you have you know like uncle so-and-so <laughs> voted for trump and it's like but it's the yeah. one time where you can kind of get together and get drunk with uncle so-and-so and he's like it's okay that you voted for biden and you can go oh it's okay you voted for trump and then you start crying and hugging each other and he gives you a present and you give him a present and everything's okay it's like that one yeah. that one day where everything just that one day is okay yeah. and it's okay simply because it's christmas because people say that it is all hail saturnalia saturnalia <laughs> you know all hail krampus no, <laughs> I'm on like this impersonation role on this episode for some reason. I, I don't know why, but yeah. Anyway, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> for me, anyway, that's sort of like the kind of stuff that I think I gravitate towards because maybe it's the lack of commercialism. I don't think, and I could be wrong. Maybe there is an ad out there somewhere that has fairy tale of new york used in it i don't know i've never seen it i've never heard it i don't know i think the second verse would be a like a tough thing to sell uh you know uh new the new ford yeah you're a bum you're a drunk you're an old slut on junk that yeah that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that that'll sell the cars for sure <laughs> makes me want to go get a pickup truck yes yeah you know. <laughs> yeah but uh, right so <laughs> but yeah like i think it is why in a lot of ways you know christmas can be so universal for people who you know maybe aren't even necessarily christian or it's just a time of reckoning where we can all kind of get together and just not be dicks to each other for a while and and maybe even resolve those bridges if only for a day it's yeah. the it's those soldiers in world war 1 who put their guns down and played a soccer match instead of shooting at each other the Germans and the English, you know, for one day, they just were like trading cigarettes and kicking a ball around. It's, it's the one fucking day we don't have to fight. <laughs> you know, yeah, you that, know what? That's the day that you can get everybody on board to listen to Boney M as well. Dude, right? I'm so glad you brought that up. That is like, probably there's fairy tale of New York and Boney M's Felice Navidad are up there. Yeah. Probably like my top two favorite christmas songs of all time man totally and this is after listening to your friends tell you oh man the boonium like all that weird like uh, rasputin stuff and no they're just weird and then you know <laughs> feliz navidad and it's not their song it's jose feliciano's song yeah but it's still like the way they did it in their their way of singing and their style of you know disco-y mo uh, moods it's again it's it's a perfect christmas song I I almost think too that a song that I love to hear at Christmas time, which at first I wasn't crazy about, that I it really grew on me. Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah. one I wanted to get. Oh my god! And it is. It's actually a. Oh yes. Okay. <sighs> yeah. 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 You know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that as well. You know, this is like the. The things that maybe people yeah. don't think about as Christmas Carol's Christmas Carol episode. Nice Absolutely. work, Tim. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the internet to the rescue so that I got the title correct. So Maybe what we should wh do. What should we do? I think we should, we should start do? a Spotify playlist, and I think we should put all of these songs in our playlist. Oh, yeah. And then... It's, this is going to be the... This will be the wonky Christmas. 
from Audible Brutality. The bru- the know? brutal Christmas Carol list. <laughs> Christmas Brutality. Christmas Brutality. <laughs> With Krampus. Krampus, Krampus, Krampus. Extra right. Krampus levels. And yeah. for some reason, when you do that voice, I think of that green alien on Futurama that's the newscaster. <laughs> we'll all die, puny humans. You know, that guy. So, so Thanks, man. But... Yeah, absolutely. We should put together and our, you know, our listener can send in some ideas too. like, tell us what your favorite is. I mean, you're listening to us go on and on about, oh, I get really sad when I listen to the pretenders, <laughs> you know, so maybe you can tell us what, what brings a tear to your eye? What brings you unbridled mirth? Do you, d- you yeah, know? I mean, even if, even if you like the extra kitschy stuff. Well, let's do the Carpenters, man. Let's do uh, let's do the Jackson Five Christmas album, yeah. uh, the Partridge Family Christmas. Why not? You there know? was a time where every pretty much every single famous artist out there, any anyone who was worth their salt, has done at least one one Christmas album. I'm sure David Hasselhoff has a Christmas album somewhere. Like <laughs> you know, like there somewhere in Germany there is a David Hasselhoff Christmas album, and. Now that I've thought about this, I think I have to Google that. And if I find it, it's on the Spotify playlist for sure. I have perhaps one of the rarest of all T-Rex vinyls. Oh. So years ago, years and years ago, I'm over in Europe with our buddy John Greenberg, the third Beatle in this podcast, Andy Hober and Adam Highland. So we're, we were over there, and Andy and I, instead of saving our money so that we could, I don't know, eat, have a place to stay, we spent all our money on T-Rex vinyls in 87. <laughs> we're like, oh, they don't, they don't have this over at Star Records in Oshawa. Bye, 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 bye. You know, and I remember at one point, I think John's mom actually wired us money over because we realized we had, between the four of us, we didn't have enough money to get a place. And we didn't have enough money to buy any food. Oh, and we're like, God. cool. We have to, we're, we're in London as visitors, London, England as visitors. And we have another 10 days before our flight leaves. And oh we have nowhere God. to stay. Yeah, That sounds like idiots. an awesome start to a tour, man. <laughs> well, because well, we're idiots. We spent all of our money. Instead of saving our money and buying food and maybe, you know, trying to find some uh, hovel that we could stay in for 20 pounds a night. Well, let's get all these vinyls and let's drag them around with us, you know. And I have had a bag of symbols that I carried around with me. You know, it seems like every time I go to Europe, I carry around a bag of symbols. Yeah, you're like um, touring with the heaviest things you can possibly carry, dude. I know, yeah. (laughs) What are you doing? I don't recommend... Yeah, I don't recommend walking around backpacking in London with 24-inch ride cymbals on your back. Not a good idea. But anyways, as a sidebar, one of the things that I found and falling into our, our Christmas story here is an EP, a vinyl EP that I have called Christmas Bop, Mark Bolin and T-Rex. Shut the front door, dude. And on the back, it says Merry Rexmas. <laughs> That's and it's awesome. it's it's from a 1972 fan club flexi disc I think originally so there's a song called Christmas Bop there, then there's a T-Rex song uh, King of the Rumbling Spires and then another one called Savage Beethoven That's and awesome. then side 2 is the 1972 fan club Xmas flexi disc recording which is back in the day the Beatles used to do this would be like hello I'm George and hello I'm Paul and those are 
awful Beatles uh, impersonations, by the way. <laughs> and we'd like to wish all of you a very special and, and fantastic holiday time. And it would be a little flexi disc that you'd put it on your turntable and you'd have to put coins on it so it wouldn't skid. This they used to do this, you know. Yeah, I like, remember those. I totally remember. You those were in the fan club. You were yeah. a member of the fan club, and the fan club got this stuff. So I'll have to send you a picture of this, Adam, so that you can post it on the website of the Christmas Bop. It's Mark Bolin in four different poses with his Les Paul, wearing a Santa Santa beard and a Santa jacket. So <laughs> my my perception of T Rex has drastically changed in the last 30 seconds like everything love, is very different i, I love now. t-rex i love t-rex and That's this is awesome. again though like they thought that t-rex to see was like beatlemania right so yeah. again weird christmas records and the kitschy ones are fun too i mean this is probably kitsch city christmas bop it's uh, it's probably a typical mark bolin you know doom, 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 bop song right this but, is giving yeah. me lots of good ideas man like my christmas oh, yeah. playlist is going to be a whole other ball game this year is there anything new that you're listening to right now like you know well, christmas not, not new but i would say that i can go all the way back into the maybe the 1800s if I, oh well, let's use the interwebs again yeah. um <laughs> When was it? Okay, yeah. Okay, right. 1892. This is something everybody has heard of. And maybe you've seen it as a kid. But I I guarantee you, if you hear the music, you will most definitely think Christmas. And the music goes... Nutcracker Suite. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. But I saw this ballet, actually, last year. They had a version of the ballet at um, at Théâtre Gilles Vigneault in, in Saint-Jérôme. And I know somebody who works there, so I got to go see it for free. Because uh, I said, listen, you know, I love classical music. I love ballet. And if you've got any seats left, you want to put someone in there to fill it up, I want to go see this. So I saw the Nutcracker last Christmas. And I have to tell you, it was a great feeling. I was off for a couple of weeks. And it was nice to go in and just... It doesn't get more arty than ballet and classical music. The Nutcracker is something you must, at the very least, add Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy yes. to your playlist, please. Yeah, That should be in there. It should be in there right after, you know... Christmas time is here from the peanuts, you know, and you can put in. Dun, da, 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 dun, 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 well, that's, you know, and that's an interesting one, too, because and I don't know, maybe it's like the the dark Russian side of Tchaikovsky. But, um, you know, <laughs> like R- Russians just seem to like have this sort of dark edge to them. I mean, I'm I'm Ukrainian, which is not Russian, but I know, you know, it's close enough. Um, but there, <laughs> there, there does seem to be like like it is. And oftentimes and I've seen the Nutcracker Suite a few times at what was formerly known as the O'Keefe Center in Toronto um, yes. when I was younger, a few times. And uh it, whether you see it in live or if you watch it on television, it's it's almost always a really extravagant production, and you know beautiful sets and beautiful costuming, and definitely the you know the choreography is always amazing, and the musicianship is top notch, and of course, yeah, these are like themes that everybody really knows really well. But like, then you have characters like the Rat King. Well, <laughs> I can like... tell you where this come. I can tell you where this comes from. Ha ha! Are you ready for this? It actually comes from. 
a German story called The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. Right. And the summary is, the story begins, again, so this is, why, do, why is this at Christmas? The story begins on Christmas Eve at the Stahlbaum house. Marie, mm. Seven, and her brother Fritz sit outside the parlor speculating about what kind of present their godfather, who is a clockmaker and inventor, has made for them. So, their toys come alive. That's right. what happens. Yeah, the Nutcracker yeah. becomes the soldier. I, I don't know. I, right. I, I don't know how people feel about like watching a production that is toys coming alive and everyone's, for some reason, wearing very tight pants. There's a, there's a lot to see in this. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. This is a children's story? I'm not entirely sure that's appropriate, but <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh, Adam Percy. Oh, Adam Percy. Adam Always Percy. E- turning everything into a dirty joke. You just ruined Christmas. That's I, what you just did. Oh, Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Joya Noel. <laughs> yeah, Joya Noel in your face. So, oh, but okay. So Tchaikovsky's a good one. The Nutcracker is definitely music that will evoke something in many musicians and many non-musicians as well, because you've heard this before. You've seen it. Maybe in grade six. You got dragged kicking and screaming with your class to go see ballet and you didn't want to go see it. And then like like Adam says, everybody's wearing tight pants. So you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll watch this now. How bad you could know, it be? Hmm. How bad could it be? <laughs> or maybe you get engrossed. They're like, oh, wow, look at, I don't know how she stands on her toes like that. That's crazy. How does yeah. she do that? You know? So perhaps, perhaps that will bring out those old little grade six feelings in you that you've tucked away in that dusty, dusty corner of your mind. Actually, you know, you know, I saw it when I was about, I think I was maybe about like 14 or something. It was before I went into high school and hitting that, that age of where, you know, everything kind of sucks. And, but I remember kind of coming out of that sort of going, you know, amazed. And it, maybe it was a particularly excellent production or something. I don't know, but it was pretty glorious, man. And like, I think for a lot of pieces of that era too like you know things like opera and ballet they tend to not hold the same kind of attention span as you know our generation maybe was sort of expecting but that one definitely did for me and Mm -hmm. um i just remember kind of coming out of there sort of being amazed at just how beautiful it was and yeah it is it's pretty magical and pretty and of course again anything that kind of comes out of like eastern europe or that part of the world or russia always seems to have this really interesting kind of dark edge to it. The the Brothers Grimm mm-hmm. kind of fairy tale thing where like it's almost pushing that oh, I'm not entirely sure this is like the happy, happy, joy, joy thing that we tend to sort of go for now with our entertainment with children. It's like there's this slightly darker edge that maybe that's what grabbed me because I'm I'm a dark Perhaps. I'm a dark soul on the inside. Krampus forever. <laughs> Adam Percy, he he's a tasty treat on the outside, but when you get to that rich nougaty filling, it's dark. Very, very dark. <laughs> I'm crunchy frog on the inside, baby. There, <laughs> crunchy frog, anthrax ripple. Yes, we're gonna go bust into Monty Python now. That's so. right. Yeah, chocolate on the outside, crunchy frog in the middle. That's that's what there, you get with me. Yeah. But yeah, so. I would I would like to hear from our listener out there. Give us some other ones. I mean, we've had some we've had some gold on here. Fairy tale in New York. Yeah, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, if we've I missed know. anything, let us know. Oh, we, uh... we've missed a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> there's there's a broad spectrum of Christmas music. Clearly, uh, from Run DMC to the Nutcracker. 
That's it. There's only those six songs or six artists, and that's it. There's no other Christmas music out there, period. In my no, mind, that, that's that's my playlist from now on. Like for for the next month, that's all that's going to get played. <laughs> that's and maybe it. I'll figure out a way to get Christmas Bop up on our site. I'm sure that there must be a some YouTuber out there must have YouTube something. Oh my God! And it's red vinyl. Of course, it's red vinyl. Of course. Um, that's the fan club stuff on side two. Uh, okay, you know what? I gotta play this today, man. I've been getting ready for Christmas music. It's time. You know, uh, I hear friends of mine say, well, don't play anything before Remembrance Day. Hey, no problem. It's now post-Remembrance Day. It's the 14th. All Christmas music engines on full blast now. Christmas in your face. Face, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas in your face. Uh, um, So I don't suppose like that there is a festive version of oblique strategies is there oblique strategies strategy strategy strategies oh my goodness i wonder what brian eno has for us for christmas what christmas wisdom could brian eno bring to us on this starry snowy night Starry, snowy night. And by starry and snowy, I mean cold and rainy because I live in British Columbia and it just isn't a fucking thing. But anyway. (laughs) I live in a rainforest. Um, Yes. And I just sang a Don McLean song, which has nothing to do with Christmas, which is all about Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, There you go. (laughs) Adam, for Christmas, you know what you should do? What what, what did Brian Eno get me for Christmas, Tim? What did it get me? Just carry on. Just carry on. And I don't think he's talking about the Kansas song either, My Wayward Son. No, I don't think so. I but think uh, I think it's I think you should carry on. I think he's car- I think he means carry on. Like good King Wenceslas had to carry on trudging through the snow. Or Shane McGowan on the Feast of Stephen. had to carry on drinking that whiskey, even though he called his wife a slut and was, you know, in the drunk tank. Or you carry on. And this is this is the message of Christmas. I think, too, carrying on is getting carried away. Carry on with the music. Carry on with the festivities. Yeah. Carry on with the extra decoration on the tree. Despite carry all on. the things that have happened this year, carry on. Yes. Carry on with stuff that you wouldn't be blasting in your Celica on a Friday night in July. Carry on this with Bing is, Crosby. 
Time That's it. This is the dreaming. time to go full, full bang. <laughs> <laughs> of a Roxy Christmas music. Full bang, baby. Full bang. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I think the second card is very prescient. Okay. Oh. Ooh. I know. Uh, Adam loves it when I use big words. Ooh, that's a big word, Tim. I don't know. <laughs> Too big for this podcast. <laughs> All right. The most important thing is the thing most easily forgotten. Oh. Well, how does Brian do this? How does he do this? The thing most, the most important thing is the thing most easily forgotten. Well, you know, yes, that conjures for me that scene mm-hmm. with uh, the the ghost of Christmas present to visit yes. the people that Scrooge interacts with on a day to day basis as a Scroogey asshole, and. <laughs> Because, let's face it, Scrooge, at the beginning of the story, is a serious asshole. But at the end of it, he parts the skirts of his robe. And this isn't a dirty limerick, but he has the two children, the ignorance and the want. And he says, mm-hmm. look, look, look at these two. You know, these are these are the manifestations of what I think to be what people tend to forget. For all the schmaltz and all the glitz and all the kitsch of Christmas, it is ignorance and want and you know, he, i think he even says like look closely particularly at ignorance because something about the doom of man for ignoring it kind of thing so don't ignore things like that um pay attention to things like that that's the important part that is it's hard to give presents to your friends and your cats when there are people who live in ignorance and want yes and, geez that Sorry, I got really heavy there for a second. There's something else that, in that, my eye. Oh, God. That's all right. I I'm, I am virtually cuddling you right now. You are okay. You are safe. You are in a safe, warm place. Yeah. And that place is Christmas. That's right. Because for me, the thing that I think we should not forget at Christmas time, and you talked about this earlier, bury the hatchet for a couple of days yeah. with the people that don't think like you and just look around the room because maybe next year some of them may not be there. This is true. So you've got the option to look around the room, like I said. You've got the Christmas sweater. You're drinking tomato juice. Which, oh, that's what we always used to do as kids. We drank tomato juice at Christmas. What kind right? of weird-ass family were you living in? Jeez! Uh, the, a good one. And, you know, but <laughs> it was. Kidding. But that's what the kids drank. You know, the yeah. adults would have wine or whatever. Yeah. And we had the E.D. Smith Vegetable Cocktail, which Ooh, was like V8, okay. basically Canadian V8. But that was fancy pants stuff for us, you know? So it was like, oh, I'm drinking this. And to me, it tastes like Christmas when I drink that stuff. But I think that's, you can't forget what your early Christmases were like. If you had terrible ones, I mean, we've all had disappointing Christmases where you're like, your parents say, what would you like this year for Christmas? You're like, I want a drum set. And they say, yeah, no, we don't want a drum set, <laughs> no, you know, no. or That's you say, parents. I want an electric guitar with an amplifier. And, and, you know, the next thing you see is you open up your stocking and you got piano lessons and you're like, <laughs> look, they didn't scar you, whatever. Right. So sure. N- not, you didn't always get everything you wanted under the tree. You know, sometimes you were a Ralphie boy in a Christmas yep. story, which by the way is the greatest Christmas 
story ever. I'm amazed um, we got this far on this podcast without mentioning that. But okay, can you carry on? Well, you all you all. <laughs> Always leave him wanting more when you're done, right? That's so, right. with Ralphie, he thought this was the worst Christmas ever. He didn't get what he wanted. He eventually did and nearly shot his eye out. But if you look at his brother, how happy he is with everything, everything he got, he loved. Christmas to him was just, oh my God, another new toy. Think about that when you're sitting around talking to Uncle Dillweed, and he's saying, oh, you know, the thing with you libtards is blah, 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 <laughs> you know? And, you know, yeah. instead of biting into that apple and taking that bait, maybe at Christmas time you say, hey, old man, can I get you a drink? I'm on my way to the kitchen. Mom, I'm going to get some Christmas cookies out of the kitchen, the ones that you make, the ones that I think are better than anyone else's. And by the way, I always thought my mom's Nanaimo bars were better because she colored the middle part green instead Ooh, of yellow. That sounds good. Yes. Very festive. Very green, you know. Yeah. Um, and I always thought it's strange. when It's like, this is a Nanaimo bar. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not green in the middle. It's, it's not right. But don't forget what was wondrous for you as a 10-year-old, as a 12-year-old. By True. the time you turned 15, you thought your parents were jerks and everybody sucked and you were too cool for school and whatever. Yeah, whatever, bro. <laughs> you know, one thing that I still love to this day is getting records. I love getting records. Dude. That never went away. That You know what? Now you're giving me the Christmas feelies because, yeah, I remember getting... Quite a few. Yeah. And you know what I did this year, actually? I've I've sort of already made a bit of a New Year's resolution this year. I'm going to spend a lot less time on Spotify and a lot more time on Bandcamp. And I've already actually gone out and I've already bought a few albums from like a few independent artists. And not only just albums, I went out and I bought their vinyl, their big items, their Do big it. ticket items. Yeah. And Do it. now that I'm thinking about what you just said, it's like, oh. I'm going to have vinyl for Christmas. That's like, that was a thing. I actually, I'm going back in fucking time, man. That's like <laughs> straight on like ghost of Christmas past shit you're throwing down at me, man. That's awesome. Ooh. I love, gonna, I love that stuff. I, as a kid, I remember the presents are wrapped under the tree, you know, as my parents would pick up presents for us. They, and we do that here, Carolyn and Liam and I do that for each other. We wrap the present and it goes under yeah. the tree. I always loved it when I saw the flat, square things wrapped up with my name on them. I'm like, what am I getting, you know? Dude, okay, so here's here's actually a Christmas story for you, okay? So when I was four, my dad, I don't know if my mom was with us, my dad took me to see the very first Star Wars. I'm already dating myself, so like 1977. Star Wars comes out in May. I go to see Star Wars, and, you know, honestly, I'm four years old. I don't really remember much about the movie other than there were spaceships flying over my head and laser blasts, mm -hmm. and I don't remember the story very much. But I just remember, like, kind of being grabbed by that movie, you know, like a lot of kids, and I'm not going to wax nostalgic too much about Star Wars. I do remember that one of my earliest present memories was getting the Star Wars soundtrack, for Christmas. Oh, nice. And nice. it was, it wasn't, and this is, this is where the story kind of gets a little interesting is because it's the, it's the actual like London Philharmonic soundtrack. 
my oh, it's mom, a John Williams. John it, Williams. Stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. a double yeah. album with, and it was black with Darth Vader on the cover. And nice. my mom, when she bought it for me, was actually thinking that she was buying me the Star Wars storybook, which was also a record, but this one was different. It had C-3PO and R2-D2 on the cover, and it had bit, clips of the dialogue, and so it had that whole, you know, turn the page when you mm. hear the chime, bling, and, or the laser blast, you know, like... So yeah, when you, when you hear the stormtrooper miss the guy completely with his laser shot, turn the page. Exactly, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, so... She thought that that's what she was buying me. She thought she was buying me the story album, not the actual, like, entire soundtrack of the film. And so when I opened it up, being the already massive Star Wars nerd that I was, I was like, oh, yay, Star Wars, put this on. And we put it on, and my mom realizes, I think, a little bit to her horror, oh, it's just the soundtrack, shit. There's no, like, there's Mm. there's no cute robots making, you know, it's just the music. And I don't know. I don't know if I did. I reacted to it too much because there were, of course, other presents that I was probably already tearing into viciously. She kind of felt bad about it, actually, I think, because this isn't what she intended to get me. And mm-hmm. one day she came home and she comes home and she catches me with the record on full fucking blast conducting the stereo from standing on the couch nice. like full nice. on she's like oh okay i don't feel so bad now like you know it worked yeah it worked it was like all i was hooked like from literally from that john williams soundtrack on i was hooked with music man so you know what parents the best gift you can give your children vinyl baby Get them vinyl. Get them hooked. Get them hooked early, man, because that's that's, that's how that shit happens, man. Next thing you know, they'll be standing on the couch, fucking rocking out to Sam Roberts or something. Who knows? Like, well, yeah. the The thing is, is that if you buy them records and then they start to buy their own records, they won't have enough money to buy drugs. So, you know, <laughs> especially if they become musicians afterwards, too, then they fall down that rabbit hole of gear. But, that's right. Give them yeah, gas. For, Give your kids gas, not drugs. I think that's what people have to evoke in their Christmas a little bit more. And let me tell you one thing I used to do when I lived in Ottawa the first time around, when I lived in Ottawa in the early 90s. And I was, you know, a, a broke musician. Hey, who's ever heard of those? <laughs> so I had a job in a camera store and worked with a few good people and I remember at Christmas time, the shopping center that I worked in, which was a big one in Ottawa, Rideau Center, back in the day, there was a second cup coffee shop in front of the Eaton's Court where Santa Claus would set up every year. And so right in front of the Eaton's department store was this massive setup for Santa. One of the things I used to love to do was I would go to the second cup. They had a little indoor sort of terrace patio kind of thing, just a little metal grate around it that, you know, looked nice to make it separated from the rest of the shopping center so people wouldn't just walk in and sit down. You'd have to buy something. So I would go there and I would order a hot cider. I would just sit down as close as I could to the edge of the action, as it were, and just people watch. I would just watch people running around with yeah. bags of presents and bags of stuff. Some people some people are super happy they've got these things and oh, I just found the last I just found the last Star Wars vinyl for my my friend Adam. Uh you know, other people running around like, "Oh, the little turd wants a Jiminy Cricket and they don't have any in the Disney store closed." <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it, 
I used to enjoy, and some people say, well, that was really sadistic of you. And I was like, no, this was just me sort of slowing everything down for a minute and drinking in the vibe of, yeah, this is super commercial. I'm in a shopping center. I'm contributing to it by paying for this cider. But at the same time, it was slowing everything down for me. And it was sort of like the lead up to Christmas because I knew come January 3rd, that's a ghost town. Santa's gone. There's nothing there. It's a big empty space. It's negative space. All the stores have sales trying to drag people back in, but no one's coming in. Instead of having the shopping center rammed full of people, there's 10 people. So there was some, there's some weird little vibe about that, that I always like doing that just before Christmas. And I've been trying to do that again lately. Just go to a place and sit down and just watch the world go by for a little bit. It is a good time to slow down, you know, especially since yeah, it is. Yeah. It's the end of the year. A new year is coming. Some of us, it's really fucking cold and we just want to hibernate anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> I some of understand. us have snow. Yeah. Some of us have snow and some of us are named Adam. Yeah. Right, so, oh, it just does <laughs> rain here. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> Actually, I was kind of, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> you get more snow than I think most people like. Yeah. Well, I know my sister, my sister who's up in Mackenzie, BC, about as far away from you as I am almost, because yeah, Canada's that's, that's a huge, huge country. up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Prince George, yeah, yeah, drive another three hours. There you go. Yeah. Something like that. Apparently, they already have a couple of feet of snow. So, well, hey, that's what happens when you live in the mountains and just slightly south of 60. So, I guess the, maybe they have the Christmas spirit already up there. Maybe maybe my sister Jackie is is already making Christmas cookies. And yeah. I think that some of the little weird traditions that I know that we tried to reject when we were 20 because we knew everything when we were 20. Sometimes, and I, well, sometimes, all the time, it is the thought that counts. You buy me a record, but it's a record of a band I hate? Hey, man, you thought of me. You know, I think it's that saying that you can never go home, but you can always visit. The holiday season, it's about visiting. And I know that's going to be particularly tough this year, but... Do what you can. Keeping that in mind, do what you can, and try and just remember that there are other people out there in your life and just be glad that they're in your life if you have a chance to be with people look around the room yeah take a few minutes yeah you don't have to love everybody that you're with or like everybody that you're with yeah. you know but spend the time be nice with you know at the very least with drunk uncle phil you know <laughs> <laughs> who, who you know who's a rabid trump supporter yeah you know what Bite your tongue, get him more eggnog, and get him so fucking drunk he just passes out on the couch. And then you don't have to listen to Uncle Phil. And no one has to listen to Uncle Phil. And it's a Merry Christmas for all. And Uncle Phil's happy too. So, you know. A Merry Libtard Christmas. (laughs) A Merry Libtard Christmas to you. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, oh, oh, I think, I think that sound means we're almost out of time. Are you getting visited by Santa Claus, Tim? I might be. I might be. Oh, you know, I think, I think you'll have to tune into our next episode to find out whether or not I was naughty or nice. Oh, I know you were naughty, Tim. I know you <laughs> well, too well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, my good friend, unless we do another episode of Christmas, you have an amazing Christmas, my friend, and listen to all of these tracks. You must listen to all of these tracks. I think what we are gonna we are gonna get ourselves up uh, a playlist somewhere. 
And uh, we will have that on our episode page for our listener to listen to and to have that much more of a festive, festive holiday season. Here's to a great Christmas and to another great season of Audible Brutality next year. To you, sir, I hold up my cup of eggnog to thee. Uh, My good man, I hold up my cup to you. I would like to thank our guests that have come on this show and made it shiny and sparkly and that much more interesting. And I would like to thank the people that are listening to this. All of you, both of you. You over there in the corner. Yes, you. Yes, yes, you, Rob Swift. I'll be honest, I know Paul Casey has listened too. So, hey, Paul. Thanks, Paul. And my buddy, Lee Quinney. Hey, I feel like I'm on Robber Room now. And I see Lee. And I see Paul. And I see Gareth. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> I want to say thanks to everybody that's paid attention, that's downloaded, that's listened, that's been part of this, that's made this a fun, fun thing to do in a crazy, crazy time. And Adam, massive thanks to you. No, thanks to you, Tim. We co- I couldn't have done it without you, buddy. Yeah, you're right. I know. Ah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> With you that, go. Merry Christmas, buddy. Happy New Year. A Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Happy New Year. Here's hoping 2021 comes with a vaccine and we can uh, sort of get back to some sense of normalcy. And if it doesn't, there will be even more podcasts than we've already planned. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy, Happy Christmas. Happy New Year's. Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas, my friend. Audible Brutality is presented by Adam Percy and Tim Vandeven and recorded remotely on Denman Island, British Columbia and in St. Jerome, Quebec. Music submissions or general inquiries can be made through our website at audiblebrutality.com. Give us a like on Facebook or Instagram. And of course, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Audible Brutality podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening.